This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is May 24th. 2020 i'm here with luke sylvia what's up i'm i'm great i'm actually can't lie to you right now to my left i have the uh the match on tbs um hosted by turner sports you know with phil Phil mickelson tom brady the goat and uh playing against uh old manning and tiger woods the other goat so i i'm just glad to have live sports right now to be honest with you so i have to have it on while we record i apologize no, it's off to my right, so don't don't apologize whatsoever. I'm trying not to pay attention to it. Tom Brady, about like what was that, 20, 25 minutes ago, hit one of the most ridiculous shots I've ever yards seen out. in yeah. golf in my life. So <laughs> what I didn't really process until just now, when you were kind of naming those names, is we have arguably like the greatest player to ever play their sport, and then like their like arch nemesis rival for most of their career. When you talk about Tiger and Phil Mickelson, yeah. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, so that's a pretty cool dynamic. You know, these yeah. guys have fought over championships for the better part of their careers. It's pretty neat. Yeah, and I think the other part that's pretty cool about it is, like, Tiger was talking about in his uh, pre-match interview, pre-round interviews, was um, saying that, you know, this isn't going to be unfamiliar territory for him to, one, play against Phil, uh, two, play with Peyton. He said he and Peyton Manning are great friends. They play all the time. Um, he said, you know, we've played hundreds of times together. So, um it's it's pretty cool to see like you know there's no fans there i'm sure to an extent it does feel like it's a a production but also you got to think um some most of the time here they they kind of just act like they're friends and where they are friends and it's kind of just you know four four buds playing golf yeah that's what it seems like in my opinion it just seems like four buds playing golf talking a lot of trash there's been some trash talk between you know the 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 players that that are participating in the event and the uh, analysts. You know, like Charles yep. Barkley, um, yep. which I've Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas, well. like we like you mentioned earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed that aspect. Um, I think Kevin Clark with the Ringer tweeted out that he would really like yep. to see the NBA kind of incorporate this kind of style where we can, you know, have the players mic'd up and we can hear their conversations and find some way to do that in the NBA. You and I have talked about that what that might look like in the yeah. NBA. Really hope that happens because I'm well, just having a blast watching this. I can't remember who it was, but so Joe Buck, I think, was originally the one who said he would hope that they would pipe in sound for NBA games when they return, um, which, whatever. But to further that, someone else tweeted it, uh, another analyst or something on Twitter. Um, can't remember, the, the, mind, the name is escaping me right now, but he said that um, he said now that you guys hear it in this soccer game, it was like a Bayern Munich game on FS1 yesterday. Um, you know, now that you hear they piped in noise here, what do you think about it now? Kevin and I was O'Connor. like, yeah, it was Kevin O'Connor. You're right. So they it sounds terrible, that, and it's it's awful. It's it, the it, weirdest feel. Like, but but it, I but here's was the thing: physically uncomfortable listening to that. But also at the same time, it's soccer. And they mainly the crowd is making the same like you can you can uh, assume and expect what kind of noises that a crowd's going to be making. Are they going to be doing a dull like chant while the, the ball is being dribbled up the field? Uh, and then once it's scored, um, one side erupts. Right. So 
when it comes to piping in noise, super easy when it comes to soccer because that's they have noise coming from the audience the entire time. Meanwhile, in basketball, you you do hear the announcers. They talk more. They don't take as many breaths when the in between sentences. Soccer commentators um, do something that I actually love, which is you know they just kind of let the moment breathe. Um, and and in big moments, NBA commentators will do the same. But for the most part, soccer commentators are doing it throughout the whole match, um, whereas basketball commentators aren't. So you usually hear them at the forefront of your audio anyway. So piping in audio would just feel forced. I hope they don't do that um, because it, it, it would look dumb. They're, they're playing in these facilities that aren't, I, I, I mean, to my knowledge, they're not, you know, NBA arenas, right, at Disney. So you're not fooling anybody, and obviously, if there's no fans in the crowd, you see empty seats. We're not, we don't want that. I don't, I don't think I want that. Essentially, what this is is going to feel like. It's going to feel like you know being at you know like the rec center, you know, and playing pickup with the fellas, or being at you know an AAU tournament or some kind of rec league, and nobody's yeah. piping in noise at those games. It would just, it would feel ridiculous. It just wouldn't feel right. And even you know, like you mentioned, with soccer, you know, it might be a little bit more predictable. But yeah. it just still did not feel right watching that clip. It was just something felt really gross and wrong. That's the only way that I can put it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just because we know that there's no crowd there. Why you? Who are you fooling? I don't think it matters. Um, you know, I, I it I think it was pretty counterproductive. People just want sports back, you know. And speaking of wanting sports back, it, it seems Luke, you know, with the the reports that are coming out from like Ramona Shelburne. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams, um, you know, these different guys uh, and, and, and ladies, I said Ramona Shelburne, uh, but that it looks like the league is closing in or, or they say exploratory conversations, but the, the language that they're using, it seems like they're kind of closing in on settling on Walt Disney World to be like the single site bubble or quote unquote NBA campus as they're referring it to for the league to return to play and it's looking hopefully sometime in July where we start to see actual games again. So Luke, it seems like we're getting closer to getting basketball back. It seems like we were there and this has been such a roller coaster in terms for basketball fans because I remember very beginning of quarantine, um, you and I talking and saying, you know, still pretty optimistic. We don't know the details, but you know, we're still optimistic that the NBA is going to come back. Right. And then you fast forward a, a month and you're like, wow, we're still in quarantine. You know, we're we're, we're probably full of negativity at this point. This was and a so two week hiatus at the start. Yeah. And so we're saying to each other, oh, maybe this this, you know, we, we probably should start tampering our expectations. This probably isn't going to happen. Um, and I know that's where I was at. Like this is we're not getting an NBA back for this season. Let's just cancel it. Chalk it up at a loss. That's it. But. Now you've got the NBA because the, the biggest thing that was keeping me from being invested in like optimistic really was that you didn't hear the big time reporters. You didn't hear the woges of the world um, really reporting this like like the NBA is nearing this. You weren't seeing official statements from the NBA, which is what we got, I believe, today or yesterday, that there was someone in, in the NBA front offices that released a statement saying, you know, we're we're optimistic or we hope that end of July we can have basketball games played. And I think that's kind of what has sent uh, optimism through the NBA fan base is that we've got this hope now that, you know, maybe by the end of July. So hopefully these plans continue to be in motion, Jonathan. I know you want the NBA to be back. I want it to be back. Everybody wants it to be back. 
So if we can get this back uh, sooner rather than later, that'd be great because we they still I I'm assuming still have do have that Labor Day cut off September seventh uh, that they don't want to play past that date. So we need games by late July if there's going to be a return. Yeah, and like I said, you know, we this was originally supposed to be like a two week hiatus, and then we were going to you know review everything, see how we were doing, and then you know maybe reevaluate and get back to basketball. Everything that we've gone through the last you know two plus months now, like two weeks, just looking back was ridiculous. Like there was no way that was ever going to happen. But with this just being so new, there was no way to really gauge that and and know what was going to happen. But it, it was like that night, you know, we we've mentioned this is that you know me and my wife are talking amongst ourselves as everything's unfolding you know in the the Chesapeake Energy Arena in OKC it's like they're not going to cancel the NBA there's there's no way they're going to stop playing NBA and you know MLB NHL college sports you know March Madness was just around the corner and then just Rudy Gobert is diagnosed with coronavirus and everything was just over yeah. and here we are you know 2 plus months later you know without any sports but no, I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to to the prospect of the the league returning to action. Like mm-hmm. you said, they're they're still looking to wrap everything up around September. Uh, they're looking at like the end of June, early July to start like the training camp and everything like that. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out: do they play 70 games? Do they play 72 games? How do they get to that point? There are teams that have played 63 games. There are teams that have played 65 games to this point. Um, how do do all the logistics as far as wrapping up the regular season go? Do they jump right into the playoffs? So many things that are are still you know needing to be worked out. But in my mind, like the most important thing is going to be the protocols and procedures to make sure that one you know positive coronavirus test for a player doesn't shut everything down again. Like the safety is going to be the thing that comes first. Finding out how they're going to create this bubble how they're going to, you know, facilitate that for the players to to keep them, you know, happy and everything like that. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Still a lot of things that need to be worked out, but it seems like hopefully within, I think, the next two weeks, the NBA is looking to make a decision. So that we're just waiting. Yeah, that's that's the name of the game right now, Jonathan. And, I, uh, you know, we, we've, we've got another, you know, gear to shift here, and, and that is we kind of want to go through this whole season – um, you know, if it were to essentially have ended um, and just kind of getting that review out of the way, because it almost feels like we're in two different seasons and that doesn't almost, right. it definitely does. Right. Yeah. So it's going to feel like forever in 2020 NBA history, you have the first leg of the NBA, you have that all-star break, and then you have your second leg, which is very short second leg. Then you had another break, um, which was just as long as the off season. And then you're back into it. And then we jump back in, hopefully in December. But I know, Jonathan, we wanted to kind of dive into that first leg um, of, of the NBA season and then kind of that post-All-Star break, which is stretched only about 10 games. So, um, Jonathan, where do, you, where do you kind of want to start breaking down the season and, and what stood out to you? Well, something I just wanted to, to ask you really quickly that kind of came to mind the way that this feels. Do you, do you follow, like, competitive League of Legends at all, like the NA League Championship Series? Um, not really. There are some professional leagues I follow, but, uh, and gaming, but I don't, I don't think League of Legends is something I really follow. So anyone familiar with League of Legends? So basically they have like a regular season, right? But it's broken up into two separate splits. So they have a spring split and then a summer split. So they basically play like, you know, a whole season in the spring. Yeah. They have playoffs, they have a championship. And then depending on how you perform in that split, that 
helps weigh your eligibility for like the world tournament where you have the the Korean League, the European League, um, the Chinese League, everybody competing against each other, you know, usually in like October, um, around October. But then you also have the summer split where it's the same thing. You play a full season, you have playoffs, a championship, everything like that. And that's also weighted to, you know, on how um, you're eligible or not for that world championship. So that's kind of how this feels. It, it was, we had like a, like a, basically like a, some, uh, like a, uh, fall winter split and this is going to be like the summer split yeah. like you mentioned we kind of had like the first leg um and then the second leg but i got off on a tangent there so basically i mean for me and, and that, i think that's like the best way to describe the magic season is in two separate entities or two separate yeah. uh legs if you will mm-hmm. um because that's exactly what happened so like the first half of the season this team was struggling mightily offensively but we're one of the best defensive teams in the league, right? So if you look at pre-All-Star break, if we look at, you know, split the league by offensive rating. So the Orlando Magic were 27th in the league with a 105.5 offensive rating. Look at the defensive rating. We're 7th in the league at 107.4. Flip that on its head. Post-All-Star break, we're looking at the Orlando Magic first in the league, Luke. 10 games, kind of a small sample size, but still the number one team in the league post-All-Star break. 117.8 defensive rating. When we look at the defensive side of the ball, 26th in the league, 115.9. So with me, the the biggest thing with the Orlando Magic this season were one like injuries, right? We're talking about Jonathan Isaac, Al Farouk Aminu, uh, DJ Augustine for some parts, Nikola Vucevic for some parts. The the last stretch that we went through without Evan Fournier after you know he sprained his elbow. Um, yeah. Apart from that, it's just haven't been able to get the team all on the, the same page. It's either one night hot offensively, can't guard anybody, or the next night we're you know, world beaters on the defensive end and can't score the ball. Yeah, and it's just weird that, you know, that obviously we, we've, you know, we see it, um, you know, sometimes that, that is the case um, with some NBA teams, um, regardless of the reason. But the one thing that stayed true, Jonathan, was just how streaky the Magic were throughout the year. And, you know, obviously in, in a perfect world, we maybe could find a, a, me, uh, a median and an average um, of, you know, between that offensive rating and the first part, offensive rating, the second part, and same thing with defense. But we just could never find that rhythm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can throw that at. You could throw it at Clifford rotations, him messing around with what he likes and doesn't like, um, you know, maybe still trying to figure out the roster with Fulton. I don't know. I mean, you could probably make some excuses and all day as to why the magic just couldn't seem to get on track and, and kind of be uh, in sync both offensively and defensively. Um, But you know that, but the thing that, that, and that's why, you know, you had games where streaks where, you know, the magic would win four in a row, then they would lose three in a row. Um, And that just kind of alternated throughout the season. There was never really a win loss, win, loss, win, loss. That only happened once, one to maybe three times throughout the season. And that's without really heavily looking at a schedule. But I'm pretty confident in saying that that was the case. Well, I mean, I, I think when you when you look at the season, right, like you kind of have to, like we look at the big picture, but then I kind of want to touch on like the smaller storylines throughout mm-hmm. the season. So, so number one was like the emergence of Markel Fultz being inserted into the starting lineup. 
I was in the building October 23rd, the, the, the home opener, the first game of the year against the Cleveland Cavaliers. When Markel Fultz checked into the game towards the end of that first quarter, the, the building just completely exploded. Like, the energy yeah. just changed. Um, and you saw flashes of that in that, that first game. You know, Markel Fultz bringing the ball up court, bringing it to the half-court line, realizing that that lane was wide open, driving straight through, dunking mm-hmm. all over the Cavs. Um, and the building, once again, just completely erupted. And talking on the podcast, you know, we, we talked a couple of times about the fact that maybe Markel would be starting by, you know, December or maybe even the All-Star break because nobody knew really what to expect. This kid wasn't even really shooting free throws basically until like last June or July and then has had to get himself back into basketball shape. Um, so just the fact that he's able to take threes somewhat confidently, you know, he's not afraid to take that shot if the defense gives that to him. He's going to pull up, right? So the fact that he even got to that point was amazing. But we just still didn't know what to expect out of him. So for him to be starting um, in the fifth game of the season, yeah. Steve Clifford saying, all right, DJ. And really, it wasn't so much of a fact of, you know, the starting unit is going to be better with Markel, which, you know, the early numbers really did indicate that. But it was more so of him trying to get better balance of offense in the, the bench unit and the, the starters. And I, I, I mentioned this hundreds of times this year on the podcast, in my post-game rants. It's just if we don't get good production out of Terrence Ross and then a few other guys in the bench unit, there just was this huge drop-off from the first to second unit. Steve Clifford has mentioned that multiple times throughout the year, uh, but it just we have not, like you said, whether it's offensive rating, it's defensive rating, it's the first unit, it's the bench unit, it hasn't seemed like everybody's on the same page where the team is kind of clicking on all cylinders um, in order for this team to be really to the level that we expected them to be at, right? Like last year, they go on that 22-9 to run to end the season, and then the the, the front office decides, you know what, we're, we're essentially going to run this back. We can't afford to lose some of these guys for nothing, so we're going to re-sign them. We have the same team. We're going to add guys like Markel Fultz, Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Bamba's coming back. So we, we, we're all, you know, in my opinion, fairly reasonably optimistic that this team was going to compete maybe for a fourth, fifth, or sixth seed in the East this year. Um, but for a rash of reasons, some of the ones that we just listed, it just hasn't happened yet. And it, and it has really been really frustrating. Yeah, I, I think that that's something that, you know, as a, as a franchise that is, you know, essentially whether you like the word or not, kind of rebuilding, um, despite being a someone a team that is now making the playoffs, hopefully that becomes a, a constant thing boost the morale of the players. I know we've had players talk about it. Um, you know, like guys like AG talked about what it meant um, to to be in the playoffs and to finally get a taste of the playoffs. Um, so right now, you know, you got to think the goal is, you know, they know they're not winning a championship this year, next year, the year after that, right? Um, and, and they're being realistic with themselves, obviously. There's a lot of good teams. You've got, you know, get, you know teams like the Bucks that have Giannis Antetokounmpo that, um, you know, are just otherworldly. Um, teams you know we just don't stack up against them well right um and you know i i think a lot of the reason this the season kind of continued to go sideways um was obviously january 1st you lose your best defensive player and jonathan isaac and you know there's some concern there with you know obviously there was also a point you know that we actually realistically talked about 
is J.I. going to, like, if, if the season prolongs to July or August, do you think he'll be back? Like, that was a conversation at one point, right? And that was the kind of the X factor defensively for the Orlando Magic as a team. And now we kind of have seen, you know, he, you know, they're releasing things. He's essentially not running under his own power, running in that uh, it's a gravity, uh, you know, uh, treadmill. And forgive me if any of my terminology is wrong, not a doctor. Uh, and so, uh, you know, with him, there was a point where we were like actually entertaining the thought of, will J.I. be back possibly? But, you know, since then we've kind of heard um, that J.I., um, you know, it's possible he'll play if the season resumes, but that he'd have to be 110%. And I think that level of possibility, Jonathan, is so astronomically small uh, at this point after seeing that, not running his own, under his own power. It's a good thing that he's squatting the most, you know, that he's squatted since his injury things like that we're getting good feedback but i think we didn't understand how serious his injury was um and i don't think that it's worth much if we you know brought were to bring him back at 85 90 percent for the playoffs yeah i definitely don't think it's worth it and that was almost like a punch in the gut you know the the yeah. other day when when that came out um you know because like you said we we had been talking about you know maybe ji is able to come back you know he yeah. originally had that eight to ten week you know reevaluation period um and just kind of I don't want to say we were misled but just the way that the team kind of initially um explained the injury the way that he initially explained the injury right mm -hmm. after the game you know he was he thought the worst and then he was walking around and you know it felt pretty good uh and then has the MRI you know and then had like the the PCL sprain or whatever it was um we're thinking, you know, okay, maybe he's even able to come back, you know, for the playoffs at that point. Um, but seeing that that was the first time that he's been able to actually run on it and the fact that it's still on that anti-gravity machine and he's, like you said, describing that this is the most that I've squatted so far. He didn't say, you know, I, I'm squatting, you know, what I w was prior. You know, he's not quite back at that level. The the you know the the knee isn't quite back to that strength yet but at this point yeah I think it's it's slim to none that we're going to see him um you know back in a in a magic uniform this season you know with without the magic going on a, a deep playoff run which we kind of agree is probably pretty unlikely in itself but it just it really it sucks that's that's the best way that I can put it because J.I. Um, was averaging career numbers 12 yeah. points per game, 2.4 blocks, 6.9 rebounds, 1.4 yep. assists, all career highs. Um, was by all means in the discussion for defensive player of the year throughout, you know, the the first, you know, 30 plus games of the season and for him to go down on New Year's Day was just a huge blow to this team and is probably the reason that they haven't been able to get back to that level defensively. Yeah, and you know, Jonathan, as I said earlier, I'm no doctor. I've not had experience. I've not broken a bone before, Jonathan. So I, I have no knowledge, uh, and I've not had any reason to get into that. But however, I do have a cousin um, who um, ran Division One at Austin P University, um, cross country and track um, on scholarship. Very gifted athlete. Unfortunately, uh, tore his ACL twice in the same leg. Um, within years of each other, essentially just kind of leading to the demise of his college running career, right? And so he reached out to me this week. Um, obviously, he's no doctor either, but 
this is coming from someone who has suffered with you know those type of things those type of injuries um where you you know you have to do things like that so he texted me and this is what he said for what it's worth with ji now running on an anti-gravity treadmill he probably tore something and had a procedure i don't know if that's common knowledge but that's what it seems like to me and then he went on to say i was running in a pool three months after my surgery anti-gravity is a little bit past that as far as progression but that means he can't put weight on his knee at all while running so that's just that's someone that knows a little bit more than me yeah and that's clearly speculation Oh, yeah, all speculation. We don't know at all. Um, but what we do know is that the Magic do tend to kind of keep, thing under, keep things under wraps, right, when right. it comes to trade talk, who they're looking at, unless they post a picture of their draft board, Rob Hennigan. Uh, and so they, they try to you know keep things a little bit secret. But the main part that should be noted there is for people who don't know much about anti-gravity treadmills, that, like we said, legitimately, that means he can't put any weight on it. So, um, unfortunate, J.I. probably not going to be back if I had to put money on it. And um, I, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Hopefully, Jonathan, we can resume this season so that we can get the seventh spot that I think we deserve um, and match up against the Raptors as opposed to going up against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. Last thing I, I want to mention about Jonathan is a couple of months ago, we, we st- saw photos of him still wearing that knee brace and him being, you know, a little over three, you know, two, two or so months removed from that knee injury was a little bit concerning. Um, I, I don't know if, if I would necessarily buy stock in the theory that he maybe had a, a medical procedure. I think that probably would have gotten out. Um, I think the, the knee just probably hasn't responded to treatment maybe the way that they would have liked, and maybe it was a little bit more serious than they let on. Like you said, they don't tell us much, so everything yeah. that, that we're kind of talking about is purely speculation, but I'm right there with you. If we're able to get back to play you know, and, and play another you know, five or six games uh, you know, so far this season, um, I, I think we're at just at 65 games. So for us to be able to get to that 70 mark, whether it's going to be 70 or, or 72, whatever they decide upon to meet those um, obligations with the regional sports markets, uh, the, the TV markets there, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I'm right there with you. I'd love to see us get a, matched up with Toronto. I think that's the much better matchup. I think I don't know if anybody would argue that. Uh, when yeah. it talks about the the magic, you know, matching up with the the Milwaukee Bucks, they just ate our lunch money, or ate our lunch and stole our lunch money all year every time we played them yeah. this season. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to talk about. So we had high expectations for Aaron Gordon coming into this season. You know what I mean? Looking at last year, you know, he put up 16 points a game, uh, career. Um, you know, as far as his overall. Uh, progression a lot of us thought it was like a career year so 5.7 rebounds uh or excuse me 7.4 rebounds which wasn't a career high uh, but when, then we looked at his assists you know his ability to be a playmaker um create plays for others career high 3.7 assists last year shot the ball from three out of 34.9 so basically 35 percent which is the league average and we all thought that man if he can stick to that maybe get a few more attempts per game, we should see Aaron Gordon take that leap and take that all-star leap. Uh, But this year, 14.4, like I said, down from 16 points a game last year. Uh, The rebounds have taken a little bit of a tick up up to 7.6 from 7.4. The assist still at 3.7, but that three-point rate has dropped down to 30%. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to say, like, it's over for Aaron or... 
Um, he's never going to be X, Y, and Z or whatever. But at this point, like I legitimately have concerns if he can ever reach that level. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, he's been on the team for a handful of years, right? And we we kind of keep, you know, it's easy to kind of give a player, um, you know, the benefit of the doubt when your team isn't that good. Um, you know, last year he did have a good year. Um, it's just I would love to see his his percentages take a jump, um, even if that means his his points per game staying the same, right? I, if, if that's what it takes, you know, he just takes better quality shots and, you know, hones his skills better that way and his shooting percentages and to boost those up. If, if it, that's what it takes for a season for him to do that instead of maybe trying to force things, um, you know, you look at it and also his 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 free throw percentage is at 70, 70, 67.5 down from 73% from last year. Um, you know, he's shooting about the same from the line. It feels like Jonathan he's kind of been the same player the last one to two to three seasons. Um, and un- unfortunately with Aaron, that's kind of what I think what you see is what you get. Um, I would love to believe that he could progress. We saw some really good games. Don't get me wrong that he had offensively this year that kind of made the whole fan base think, Oh, maybe this is, maybe this is it. Maybe he's going to start elevating his game. And then you look back at the numbers and you're like, Oh man, maybe, maybe he won't. Um, so we just don't really know. He's he's 24 years old. He's been with the organization for enough years, I think, to develop. Um, you know, I don't know where we place that blame. I don't think it's to the point where we start pointing fingers yet. But it it is very concerning when it comes to Aaron Gordon. What what the team should do moving forward with him? Um, you know, do they put him on the trade block? Do they not? When it comes time next year, you know, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to Aaron Gordon and his game, where he fits on the team. Um, you know, I, I think that there's just been a lot that we've had to kind of work through with Aaron Gordon as a fan base. I don't think you can lay the blame at any one person's feet. Uh, I think obviously, you know, his, his first few years in the season or his first few years in the league, excuse me, uh, with just the, the carousel of coaches, whether that be Jacques Vaughn, James Borrego, Scott Skiles, Frank Vogel, then Steve Clifford, you know, never being, you know, we, we kind of talked about this last week as when we were talking about our magic, what ifs, but you know, it, This season was his first fully healthy summer where he also had the same coach, you know, from one year to the next. So that was like that his performance last year in the the playoffs game four against Kawhi Leonard. Uh, The the fact that as the year progressed, we kind of saw him evolve as a playmaker and be able to play a little bit more consistently. All of that got thrown into that pot of reasons why the Aaron Gordon should and could become an all star this year. But we we just haven't seen it. And, And with me, I think. The thing is that he has not, I don't know if it's him or maybe it's the coaching staff, has not you know, embraced the fact that Aaron Gordon is going to be most useful cutting off of the ball. Like yeah. Per possession, he's one of the best cutters in the entire league. They have not, in my opinion, embraced that enough. I think it was um, a, 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 this game here um, in February against Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, um, where he had like 19 points in the first half and they were almost all off of cuts, just people finding him, cutting to the basket, just easy baskets, getting to the free throw line, um, you know, knocking down open three-point opportunities. Like, that is what Aaron Gordon needs to be. The stuff where he's still doing things, you know, off of the dribble, turnarounds, um, trying to bully his way in the lane, that stuff doesn't work. He just needs to really embrace the, the three to four things that he's really, really good at, 
finishing at the rim through contact. He's a great passer, great perimeter defender, and he's a great cutter. If he could just embrace those few things, that's when I think Aaron Gordon could get to that all-star level. But talking about guys kind of taking the the next step and, and taking more responsibility, I want to take just a couple of minutes uh, as we're getting close to the end here to talk about Evan Fournier um, and, and the leap that he has taken this year, basically almost out of necessity. So um, talk about last year for just a moment after the 2017-2018 season where we saw Evan Fournier be one of the leading scorers on the team at 17 point eight points per game shot 37.9 percent from the three-point line last season for the most part now he's alluded to having some some personal issues going on in you know his own life uh, that attributed to some of his poor shooting last year but those numbers dropped to 15.1 points per game as he shot 34 percent from the three-point line so Luke, just talk uh, like a, a moment about Evan Fournier and just kind of the way that he's miscast at times in his role for the Orlando Magic, but at the same time, the way that he stepped up his play, specifically like offensively, really out of necessity at times to, to try to keep this team afloat. Yeah, I think you look at the numbers and the numbers they you know, they don't lie. He's averaging the most points he's ever averaged, right? He he's you know, in terms of his his three point percentage, um, that is probably the biggest leap that he's taken. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's coming up, you know, about three, three to four percentage points when it comes to his field goal percentage, but that is in large part due to the fact that he's shooting almost seven threes a game. Now, I, I think that the, the last time that he did that, that he shot this percentage, um, was, was a few years ago, his rookie um, season, basically where he was shooting 1.4 attempts a game. So yeah. The and efficiency then you know, you, is ridiculous. You saw, you saw in 2015, he shot 40%, but again, shooting 4.9 a game so he's up at almost seven now um so yeah the you know he 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 definitely stepped up like you said out of necessity we really didn't have a choice um and kind of just decided that he was gonna start trying to take control of the team which um last year you definitely could argue and i don't think it was a mistake to deem that nikola vucevic was our best player um this year now there is a clear debate um, and it might even be heavily in Evan Fournier's favor um, that, that he is the best player on the team now. So um, he, like you said, he's been going, he went through some stuff last season, um, but this year he did bounce back. He's, he's shooting better and, and playing better and basically every category um, uh, in terms of percentages that you can see. So I, I think Evan Fournier uh, did take a step up this year. Evan Fournier and you mentioned Nikola Vucevic a moment ago. Those are two of like the most polarizing players on the Magic, right? Yeah. Not not really for any other reason, but their their play on the court. So we yeah. know that at their best, they're they're really solid players. At their best, Nikola Vucevic was an All Star, you know, last year. But there are definitely fans out there, um, and I know that you kind of share some of that sentiment. And and I I think it a lot of it is warranted. Some of it is completely ridiculous and a little bit too much. Um, but can you just kind of talk from that perspective of those fans out there that, who at times are just really frustrated with the way that Evan Fournier plays, and why is that? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, people are are looking at kind of who, number one, who Evan Fournier looks to, right? Who who he looks to in the games on the line, who he looks to in a general possession um, that, that holds little weight in the game. Most people would say he looks to Nikola Vucevic. Um, and most people would say that late game, they don't trust Evan Fournier. Obviously there are stats that suggest that Evan Fournier is just fine. 
uh, in the clutch in the fourth quarter. Like he he is good. He is respectable there. But because I think Magic fans, um, myself included, get so caught up in the moment of he should have hit that shot. He should have passed it to Markel. He shouldn't try to be the guy. You know, he's dealing with a, a rather young team. Yes, they've been together. You know, that core has been together for a while. But you throw Fultz into the mix, that's a whole other thing. They're trying to find their their grounding, I think. They're they're just trying to get their footing. And, you know, there, there's just times where um, Evan Fournier is frustrating. Uh, I can speak on that. I know you can. But, there, but there's also, you know, times where if Evan Fournier wasn't on the roster, uh, he does win us games. And Jonathan, I'm someone who is not an Evan Fournier truther. So I, I'm someone who can admit like he has played his butt off this season. And I, and I think that he has made you – know, Orlando has won more games because of Evan Fournier than what they've lost. Yeah, I would definitely largely agree with that. I think – and I kind of, you know, a few you know nights ago uh, watching, you know, one of these – Magic Classic rewinds on Fox Sports Florida. Uh, just kind of seeing the the similarities that Evan Fournier and Hito Turkoglu have to their games, right? Guys that you know at times try to be a primary you know ball handler and playmaker. I definitely think Hito gets the nod um, when you compare those two players. It's not even really that much of a conversation, um, but at times can also be very frustrating players. And I had to take that. I think if. Hidu was on teams that didn't have as much success as they did. You know, talking about like the 2008 and 2009 teams before he was traded, um, before the 2010 season. You know, if he was on a team that had records, you know, closer to what Evan Fournier has had, that those two players would probably be viewed by Magic players a lot closer than they are right now. Right? I think if Evan Fournier was on a, a better team, um, even if he was in the role that he is in now, if we had like a, a Dwight Howard and a, and a Jameer Nelson on the team, players that could also elevate um, without taking too much away from Evan Fournier, um, I think Evan Fournier would be viewed drastically different. But I think the biggest issue that Magic fans have, whether they go overboard or not, I think it's rooted in the fact that he's just miscast. A lot of times, especially this season, he's been asked to be the number one option, the guy that to just go and get you a bucket. There, We've seen plenty of times when he's done that, but we've also seen more than enough times when he hasn't been able to do that. But at the end of the day, I think you have to view Evan Fournier as having the best season out of anyone on the Magic this year, outside of Jonathan Isaac getting hurt. You know, He played 32 games. We're looking at Evan Fournier playing 61 games so far out of 65. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those, the four games that he missed came at the end of the season. Now, we could get into is the team performing better with or without Evan Fournier. Four games is way too small of a sample size to do that. Yeah. But there are some – you said you're not a Evan Fournier truther. There are anti-Evan Fournier truthers out there, um, yeah. especially that last four-game stretch before the, the season was kind of brought to a halt. But let's look at Evan. 18.8 points a game, shooting 40 percent from the three-point line like you mentioned almost at seven attempts he's shooting the skin off the ball I mean yeah there's I mean, no way around that and you know it's interesting you you talk about Hito and and Evan in the same light there are some similarities there uh obviously Hito benefited greatly from being on some great magic teams I think you slip Evan Fournier in that same spot the results the same um and it, I don't want to say the same but comparable it, it is yeah I mean I I could you know, they're, you know, 
there were a lot of highlight moments for Hito Turkoglu. But I think if you put Evan Fournier, and there's a lot for me to say, Jonathan. I, I know you I know, know how I much know. This, this kind of you're, hurts You're, me a you're bit. showing how big of a man you are. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but I think if you put Evan Fournier on that team, I, like you said, results probably not exactly the same. Probably a little bit worse. But also, um, you know, you had an exchange via Twitter uh, with, I believe, Philip Rosman Reich, um, Orlando Magic Daily, about this topic um, maybe last week or whenever it was. But he had a really good word, which was, um, you know, Turkloom did make a lot of bad plays. He had a lot of three for 14 games. Right. You know, it, it's e- like I said, it is easy to blend in on a very talented team when you're not having to be the guy. And I think that your sentiment that Evan Fournier is simply miscast. If he was thrown into a team where he had some guys that were a little bit better around him, um, the, we wouldn't be throwing stones like we do at Evan Fournier. It's just, it, it, it's part of being a magic fan. We're not an incredible team. Nobody thinks that. And if you do, I can't help you. Uh, but, but you know, Evan Fournier is not going to be the guy to lead us to a championship. Aaron Gordon's not going to be the guy to lead us to a championship. I, I don't. I think that we're we're definitely a, a couple pieces away, and um and you know that's just something that as Magic fans you think they'd be used to that we'd be used to, but it, it, you know those those losses happen and you just start trying to point fingers. So we're coming up on time here. Uh, we're we're going to wrap things up in just a moment. But one person that we didn't touch on, Luke, that I, I want to get your quick take on, on kind of what's gone wrong this season has been Nikola Vucevic. Hasn't played up to the level of last year. Uh, wh- what do you think it ha- has kind of gone wrong there? Um, you know, I don't I, – I can't really put a, a finger on it because when you, when you kind of look at the numbers um, in terms of his statistics, there doesn't look like there's been, you know – too much of a drop off, right? There's he's had a decline in his field goal percentage and three point percentage, yes, um, but it, it's by two or three percent in each category. I don't know where it kind of where we've gotten lost with with Nikola Vucevic. I don't know why he, you know, why it feels this way. I just know that it definitely the numbers that he has and the stats that he have that are relatively close to what he did last year as an All Star. What it is that has kind of made this season feel just kind of like it fell flat for me and for a lot of Magic fans and Nikola Vucevic. I don't know if maybe the playoffs kind of started that for us where he struggled against um, where he struggled against Gasol in the playoffs and you, you saw that pretty much every game, right? So um, I, I don't know if that's where it started, where Magic fans started kind of to turn on, on, on Nikola Vucevic um, because they were all on the train. We, we heard that's my all-star. We heard all these things. Um, but now I, I don't know exactly what it is, Jonathan. But, you know, he's shooting a little less per game. Um, but his percentages, they, they, they've struggled somewhat. He's still shooting 47% from the field. Um, and then, obviously, his three-point percentage is down from 37 to 33. But I don't know, man. His points per game are still there. His assists are still there. His rebounds are pretty much still there. Um I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a mystery, I think. I think a lot of it has to do with perception, right? So the playoffs definitely got it started. Um, and then at that point, a lot of people were like, look, we try to tell you this. You guys were claiming this is your all-star. He didn't show up in the playoffs, right? And then yeah. going into that offseason, it was like, okay, now is the time to let Vooch walk. Now is the mm-hmm. time to, to bring in the new guard. Got that you know hundred million dollar contract and people lost their freaking minds. I can't believe we're bringing this guy back. Yeah. And a lot of those people, honestly, at this point, pre- feel pretty vindicated. 
a large part of last year, him making that all-star team where the, you know, the high efficiency, the great games that he had at the first half of the season. And then he kind of came back down to earth after the all-star break and kind of normalized. So some of his numbers kind of came back down. Um, But like you talked about, the efficiency has come down. I mean, dropping from 36.4% last year, basically down to 33%. That's in my opinion, that's the biggest reason why. Yeah. You know, those that extra three pointer that he was knocking down last year um, on, you know, basically two less attempts. It's a, it's a big deal, right? The efficiency yeah. from the three point line, just having that threat. Um, I still feel like teams view him as a threat from the three point line. But last year, it just felt like he was just not missing those trail threes, um, oh, yeah. those from open threes from the top of the key. It just felt like he was not missing those. And this year, it's like every time he pulls up, I'm just like, I'm holding my breath. Yeah. You know what I mean? But largely, I feel like it's the the perception that um, people were almost hoping that he would fail this year so that they could feel vindicated from their takes that we should not have signed this guy um, to that large contract. But um, the contract and what we're going to do as we move forward, that's a discussion for another day. But I just want to mm-hmm. get your, your quick take um, on kind of what's gone wrong with Vooch to, you know, and he's still having a, he's still having a good year. I mean, if the season were to end right now, this is the second best season that he's ever had. So we, yeah. we can't really complain all that much, but before we sign off, Luke, you got any other takes you want to throw out there? Uh, any last words? I'm ready to play basketball, Jonathan. Ready to play basketball. Not me Same personally. Here. I'm ready to watch it, but you know, that's what I mean. Ready for the league to start to play basketball, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. So, well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Six Man Show. Like we've been doing it since day one, we're going to keep with the episodes every single Monday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. For Luke, this has been Jonathan. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya! Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!